With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm a compliance evangelist, and I'm very pleased and excited to bring to you a special five-part podcast series based upon an interview with Dr. Kyle Welch from George Washington University on his recent paper evidence on the use and efficacy of internal whistleblowing systems. First, a word from our sponsor, Navix Global. Navix Global offers a comprehensive suite of ethics and compliance software, content, and services that helps organizations protect their people, reputation, and bottom line. With more than 13,000 customers, including 85% of the Fortune 500, Navix Global Solutions support the largest ethics and compliance community in the world. Over this five-part podcast series, I take a deep dive into Dr. Welch's paper, and explore why it is so important and significant for the compliance practitioner. We look into the background of why he started to study, what some some of the key uh, information he read uh, to prepare for his research, uh, what he expected or what predictions he had from looking at uh, the numbers. Then we consider what his research found. And finally, we tie it all together with what it all means for the compliance practitioner. This is one of the most significant academic studies for FCPA and and bribery compliance practitioners, and indeed all compliance practitioners. I know you will find this podcast series useful and helpful, as well as the paper, which of course we will link to in the show notes. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. This special podcast series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and you are in for a real treat this week because I have a five-part podcast series with uh, Dr. Kyle Welch, who wrote a paper entitled Evidence on the Use uh, Use and Efficacy of Internal Whistleblowing Systems. It was published December 2018. It is a uh, fabulous paper that I'm going to let him describe for us. He is at George Washington University. This is the first academic paper which focuses on one of the specific tactics or strategies under the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program, internal whistleblowing systems. It's not a hotline. It's an entire whistleblowing system. So uh, with that somewhat long-winded introduction, uh, Kyle, first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So uh, in this first episode, I really wanted to uh, introduce uh, yourself and uh, introduce uh, the, the academic study. So could you give uh, a few words about uh, your professional and academic background, what you teach, and what led you uh, with that uh, background to uh, do this uh, paper? Absolutely. So uh, I'll give a, a high level. Uh, so uh, as was mentioned, I'm uh, an accounting professor at George Washington University. Prior to that, I was getting a doc. I got it. I received a doctorate from Harvard Business School. And prior to going and getting a doctorate, I worked for a few uh, several years. I worked at the Stanford Endowment for about three and a half, four years. And then uh, I worked at Standard & Poor's doing valuation work. Um, and I did my undergrad at Brigham Young University. And the origin of the study came about from 
basically looking at uh, uh, the nature of accounting kind of serves a couple of different roles. It's reporting on what goes on in the organization. And that's important for a lot of users of the information, uh, investors, uh, managers to make managerial decisions. And then there's this uh, entire industry that's based on finding problems and identifying the problems in the accounting. Um, and this is all the fraud related stuff or the, you know, the issues related to, you know, things happening, uh, not going right. And what I noticed is, is as you look back at big debacles that are public debacles that come out, they all have something kind of in common. They usually have an individual that saw something and reported on it. And so, um, how the study came about is um, I remembered back in the day when I was an undergrad, I had gotten an internship at Ernst & Young, and I remembered looking at a poster on a wall, and it said ethics, compl- uh, ethics point. And I remember thinking, that's weird, ethics point. And I looked at it, and I said, oh, it's a, it's a place that you go to report if you see something that you don't like or if that something's, something's wrong. And for some reason, that stuck with me, you know, uh, basically about 19 years later when I was thinking about research ideas. I, as an academic at uh, GW, it's a fantastic vocation, by the way. I just basically get to pursue research ideas I find interesting. And so um, I did a little bit more digging, and I realized Ethics Point was uh, part of – uh, 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 Navex Global, and I reached out to Navex Global, and I started a conversation about two years ago. And the conversation initially went like this: Hi, I'm an academic, and I'm interested in looking at some of the most sensitive data on the planet. Uh, you know, will you let me look? And their initial response was, no. (laughs) Are you kidding? No. (laughs) And then uh, I talked to them a bit more. And um, over the time of about a year and a half, uh, when we realized that um, that we could do this research without revealing any information or any sensitive things associated with who was actually reporting, what the details were of the event, and even knowing exactly uh, uh, directly, uh, what the firm is, is that we could actually accomplish this research by connecting external data to this and, and having a, a map and a key, uh, uh, and keeping all their data still proprietary. Um, after going through that process, uh, uh, they finally gave a green light to actually doing this. And it was, I'll, I'll tell you, it wasn't easy. And, uh, so there's an, there's a, as an academic, I'm, Feel free to interject, and, and, and if you have any questions along the way. As an academic, data is what drives uh, my field of study. Uh, I look at empirical data that that exists, and then you run, you know, regressions, and you try to determine causality. And if you know, we're looking for if-then statements of, well, if this happens, then this will happen. That's that's the goal of of this research, and. Typically, the most interesting research is the research that's the hardest data to get. Uh, if you think about it, like the, I mean, the the data that is the hardest to get. I I I have a chart that I like to show where you know our level of understanding and data availability a lot of times uh, with certain aspects is is off. We, you think about a typical accounting performance metrics. We have a lot of data availability and there's a lot of understanding of what the performance metrics mean. And as you go down, there's limited data on other categories that we don't know very much about. And all of those limited data points related to firms are, are the whole point of whistleblowing systems is to capture those limited data points. And so you think about HR related issues, like we know they're bad, 
but we don't know how often they're happening. We don't know when they're happening or who's doing it or major HR related issues or even uh, uh, EPA violations. A lot, of, a lot of these things happen in organizations and it's hard to identify. And a lot of times, I mean, even, even accounting ha- there, if you're, if you are a, a bad actor and understand the basics of accounting, you can misreport accounting information and get past auditors. And it takes a human to actually identify it and capture it and say, look, that's wrong. And so the nature of, of basically of, of my interest related to this is to find data that's hard to that we don't have information on and do research that has basically not been done before. And that's the neat thing about this data is we've never had data like this before in management research um, on some of the most difficult topics uh, uh, that firms deal with. And quite frankly, a lot of firms are blind on like not knowing where to go in, in how to manage this data as they get it. They know that certain things are bad and you got to get rid of certain people or, you know, train certain people, but, you know, understanding the levels of reports and those type of things, uh, there's a lot of questions out there. So, um, the process has taken about, uh, about two years to get through. And, uh, at this end of it, having, you know, uh, developed this research, I'm, I'm super excited about what we found so far. So let me ask a couple of questions. Uh, first of all, were you paid by Navex to uh, do this research and or write the report? And then from there, what did you expect to find? Yep. So as an as an academic, I get paid to do research, and this is uh, this is not like a tobacco industry type of situation. Um, I am uh, I I think Navex bought I think two dinners for me, but I bought two breakfasts for them. So I think we're about even. On uh, on that, they, I am not paid by Navix at all. Uh, the only real compensation um, that you could say I got is um, access to data. And um, kudos for Navix. Uh, you know, I signed a, an NDA related to you know access, accessing this data, but they came in uh, to this knowing full, fully, you know, eyes wide open that like, look, this is an academic. He could find anything with this study, and so um, they were very. Uh, it's been great working with them. So. Yeah, I'm not paid by them. To answer your question, I'm not paid by them. So, what did you expect to find? So, so that's a that's a that's a good question. I, a lot of people, and this is going to sound like really like uh, like uh, nails on a chalkboard to compliance people. I wasn't sure. I actually had an open, a pretty open mind, and most compliance people would hear that and say, "Oh, come on, you got to know that this is this." And I would say that, like, based on existing research, it's actually the what we would find was actually kind of up in the air. And, and so let, 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 me give you, let me give you an ex- example that will clarify it for you. So frequently managers and directors are looking at the level of reporting to tell whether or not they have a good or bad system. How many reports are made in the system is, is or how quickly things are resolved or, the, or these type of things. And these metrics, you, you get some intuition that like, yeah, having zero reports is probably bad because we know there's some problems. But maybe having too many reports is not good. And there's a question, and if, if you think about it, if you were to ask the average person walking on the street, you said, okay, come in here. We're going to give you an, a job. You're going to have to work at this place for the next five years, all right? And you're going to put two job offers in front of them. And wh- everything's about the, the, is the same about the firm. Everything's the same about the firm, except for in one job offer, you're able to see that they have a lot more uh, whistleblowing reports in the firm where people use the internal feedback system. And in the other job, it's the same, same thing, same everything, except for they have less. And you ask the person, you say, okay, which firm is the better firm and which should you take an offer at? 
And I would think most people on the street would probably say the one with fewer reports. And so that kind of motivates this idea that, you know, having fewer reports might be an indicative of just a firm that has lower problems. There's a huge amount of management research and gurus spending time on how to lead, how to be the right leader of an organization. And there's this continual search for this silver bullet of finding the right team and finding the right manager that makes you inoculated from just problems. And there's also this other way of thinking about it. There's there's the other side, which I think resonates with most compliance people, is that, you know, humans are kind of just like, they're awesome because they can get this information to you, but they're also problematic because uh, a lot of these problems are caused by humans, HR-related, fraud-related, all these, you know, large issues that are hard to detect are created by individuals. And uh, and so um, the reality is, is that it, it could be that just managing humans and being part of an organization, uh, you have problems. And what the whistleblower system does is enable you to understand how much, it, not even understand, just give you a sense of your visibility to those problems. And the problems are not unique to the firm, but they're common amongst all firms. And what this internal compliance system does and uh, is it, it enables managers to get a window into the problems. And so it's either, it's, so you have one hand on, well, you know, is this like tip of the iceberg? You know, there's more problems at a firm with more reports or on the other, is this indicative of a firm that actually just is discovering more, more about things that they don't know, right? Trying to uh, uncover things that are hidden that they can't observe from the tip, typical compliance, uh, sta- the, like the typical reports that you get in an organization. So those, that's the conflicting thing. And so uh, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, uh, and either result for me as an academic is interesting to me. Um, uh, uh, there's a lot of prior research on external whistleblowing being kind of a typically iceberg situation. As soon as something comes out externally that something's wrong at a firm, usually there's more things that come out later and usually they're negative about the firm. Uh, and so, uh, that's, that's why I was kind of open to it and, uh, and, you know, open to the different outcomes. So Dr. Welch, unfortunately we are near the end of our time, but, uh, I've been visiting with Dr. Kyle Welch on his paper evidence on the use and efficacy of internal whistleblowing systems. I hope you'll join us for our next episode where we take a look at, uh, the background and related research. Uh, Dr. Welch, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my five-part exploration with Dr. Kyle Welch on his recently released paper, Evidence on the Use and Efficacy of Internal Whistleblowing Systems. I hope you will find this podcast series as powerful a tool for you as a chief compliance officer or a compliance practitioner that you can have. I hope you will join us again for our next episode. This special podcast series has been a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.